I never once thought that maybe because they lived in America that their belief systems were changing too. You need to become a doctor because we need to be financially secure. My journey gives me a different perspective on life. Everyone is like that. I kind of feel a little more fearless in chasing music all the way. I want you to learn that there's a difference between speaking poorly about your parents and speaking clearly about things that are affecting you. The fulfillment is not going to come without hard work. You know in your heart kind of who you are. It's the right choice. It's 100% the right choice. So go learn your math. We teach these girls how to study in Jedi. There's like a deeper meaning behind all of this. Like it's, it's how you were raised, what you were taught, what you were conditioned to believe. This is the Desi Condition. Ugh, every time I hear the music, I just get so happy. Huge shout out, huge, huge shout out to Ravi, my audio engineer, who put together this awesome intro, which is so good that the first time I even heard the first draft, I literally clutched my heart. Aside from Ravi, a lot of new stuff coming up, mainly the team. Um, you will get to meet them very soon. Pay attention to the website at tdcpodcast.com, as well as the Instagram and Facebook pages at the Desi Condition. Other than that, we have a lot of cool new projects, um, obviously working on a lot of really cool new episodes for you, and just making this more of a community-led mental health movement. We also recognize that there is really a lot going on in the world right now with a pandemic, with the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, I think there were like murderous hornets at some point. I don't know. There's just so much going on. I can barely keep track of it. But uh, we do want to address these really important things that are happening. So one thing we've started to do is an Instagram live series with people about anti-blackness, people who are black or brown, who are at all different stages of their activism, whether they're new or they're old, to just think about how we can be better allies, how we can recognize anti-blackness in our own community, as well as, of course, acknowledging the privilege that we have as South Asians. And just doing the thing that we do best here at the Desi Condition, which is scenario mapping situations that can come up in anybody's life. And in this case, that situation is being better allies to our Black brothers and sisters. Not just because without civil rights, we would have no place here in this country, but because they're people and they deserve our attention and they deserve our allyship. So this isn't a full episode, this is just going to be a quick review on everything that happened in season two, just to get ready for season three. So season two started with some changes because I became the sole host of the show and I chose to have a more human-centered approach to the podcast. My name is Sonushri and I am an industrial designer by training, so I began to treat it like a product that I was designing, but more like a product of social impact. I'm a big fan of ethnographic design. I don't think that good products exist without ethnographic design. And so I use all these different aspects of like, okay, let's think about people's stories. Let's get people's personal accounts. Let's think about it in a sociological context. Let's think about the history of this. If we can read up on the history of whatever topic it is, let's just think about this as a part of a system because we do exist as part of a system. And your personal story does not exist by itself. It's not a vacuum. No one is an island and all these things. It's a lot, there was a lot to explore, um, but I think that it starts with a human-centered approach. 
And moreover, I tried to just get regular people who aren't necessarily experts. Experts are great, and we definitely need to listen to them, but I believe that good design comes from studying people in their real-life environment, which makes me weirdly sound like some scientists, but, but that's what ethnographic research entails. Some driving factors are just my interest in holistic design. Season 3 would go on the same trajectory but with even more outreach. And I now have a team, like I mentioned before, to support these efforts, which means a lot more content, not just in terms of episodes, but also in terms of blog posts, submissions, and outreach. So if you're a new fan, if you're just tuning in, thank you so much for joining us. And this might be a good way for you to get a good taste of what happened in season two and just how the podcast goes in general so that you don't have to go back and listen to everything. Um, But you should if you want to. I highly encourage. We definitely had some really interesting and fun guests on the show who had some very unique experiences about the topics that they chose to speak about. So, you know... You can take a listen anyway, but if you just want a real quick recap, then here it is. We started out season two with the wonderful Unsha, who is part of the Bengali mental health movement team. And it was when her younger brother Rashad sadly passed away that she was inspired to begin taking care of not just her own mental health, but her parents' mental health. But before doing that, she had to convince them to even want to do that. And so in that episode, the first episode of season two, we talk about how she was able to get her parents to go to therapy and moreover, why therapy can be such an excellent option for processing grief and trauma. Then we heard from Nita, whose story was so powerful and so impactful that I had to give her two episodes. Nita is a recovering alcoholic who shared some very personal anecdotes of what she went through as an alcoholic and how she approached recovery. We talk about what inspired her to do so and try to explore the roots of her alcoholism. In the second part of that series, we start to talk about her recovery, how she had to shift her mindset to even begin that process. We talk about the importance of having a structured approach to recovery and using time as a measure for milestones. In the fourth episode, we hear from Ashraf, who is currently studying in an Islamic seminary, about his work as a youth community organizer. We talk about the importance of children having the freedom of expression and the, just the means to explore their identity and how boundary issues with Desi parents can complicate that sense of identity. Parents not giving kids the opportunity to perform the heavy lifting when it comes to the emotional work that they need to do in order to grow into fully functional adults. Uh, but we end the episode on a more positive note that the kids are going to be all right and they are learning how to cultivate free thought and they are growing into themselves. The next three episodes are a mini-series on ADD and ADHD. I thought it was particularly important because it is so often misunderstood and misdiagnosed, but I know from personal experience that having that diagnosis can completely shift how you operate with work, with school, or in your personal life. So in the first episode, I drop some general knowledge about ADD, ADHD, the history of it from India, and talk about why it is, in many ways, a public health issue. Then we hear from Ivan and my good friend Jess about how it impacts education and socializing. And all three episodes conclude on the fact that even though, yes, it can be a hindrance in many of these fields, if it's understood well, it can also be a superpower. Then I met Anish, a Bengali comedian, and we talk about his decision to leave a career in finance for comedy. He talks about battling the uncertainty of following that passion and the emotionality of leaving behind the one thing that we have all been taught to strive for, which is financial and career stability.
Arya then swept in in all of her badass glory. Arya is a woman out to save the world from child marriage, starting with Bangladesh. She is the founder of the My Soli Foundation, and she tells us of her mother's story as a child bride and how her mother was the inspiration for the nonprofit that she started. Um, My Soli teaches girls how to find economic freedom, how to follow their dreams, and to be entrepreneurs that don't have to be held financial hostage by getting married or getting married too young. Then we meet Naveed, who is a bona fide rock star. Naveed leads a double life as a musician and a mechanical engineer, and the episode was not just about South Asian representation in rock music, but just the feeling of being constantly attracted to something so much and with so passion that you have no choice but to follow that call. We talk about his journey with his band In Loving Memory and about how he balances that with his profession as a mechanical engineer, as well as being one of the only brown people in that field of music. He's a renaissance man, ladies. After that, we talked about a type of heartbreak that I think deserves just as much attention as romantic heartbreak called platonic heartbreak. It was my first ever mailbag episode and probably my favorite episode because just so many people are in it being raw and vulnerable and strong and brave. We talk about all different kinds of friendships and reasons why they ended. And what does this have to do with being this? Great question. I think just the fact that our, our parents' friendships often look so different from ours. Think about nosy aunties and uncles that we all know. Think about the community that is at your temples and churches and masjids and whatever. That's the example of friendships that we have, and they're often through a filter. But if that's the example we have, how do we know how to find the real people that we can just shoot the shit with and be really, really real with? No filters necessary. Then I met the wonderful writer Vaidehi Gudger, who talked very openly and very honestly about having anorexia, and I joined in the conversation as well with my own experience with eating disorders. And instead of calling it eating disorders, I called it why eating disorders. We think about the roots, where they came from, where how there can be underlying conditions like depression and anxiety and things that can just contribute to and exacerbate eating disorders. And we talk about why they can look a little different among South Asians due to cultural stigmas and expectations and as well as the treatment and recovery process. Eating disorders in general are fairly new in terms of recognition in South Asia, and we frame the question of why it's difficult to predict the future of eating disorders as it pertains to disease. In the next episode, we meet another writer, an author, Sabrith, who talks very openly about what it's like to be raised as a Punjabi woman in the U.S. of A. She tells us of a powerful story of her relationship with her father, who was very disappointed to have a firstborn daughter, and all the things that brought them back together after many, many years. The greater narrative in the story is, I think, the relationship between being a female and just the love that you receive as a female. I think love is often predetermined and portioned for females because females are not expected to carry too much familial responsibility beyond that of the typical household ones. We talk about history, art, and writing, and how even the narrative of love has been shaped by men in the arts. And maybe, maybe love is a greater question for females because of this. After that, we meet Sabrina, who is a writer for Brown Girl Magazine. She talks a lot about her life-changing diagnosis of bipolar disorder and just what her daily life is like. The big takeaway from this episode is Sabrina talking to us about how she learned, despite all of the hurdles, to love yourself and your condition in its true form because the fact is that you are inseparable from your mental health. 
Finally, we talk with Yamini, who runs a newsletter called Millennial Jobs about South Asian millennials in the workplace. We talk about finding fulfillment, work-life balance, learning how to demand respect in the workplace, and why we as brown people have a different approach to work-life balance. And what does that imply about South Asians? What does that say about our culture? So that was the last episode of season two. I think what I really like about the theme that I had in season two is that they all look into personal stories and they're all very relatable. They all add something to the conversation because it's not just about educating on mental health conditions. It's also about asking these deeper, meaningful questions like, why did this happen in the first place? What are these feelings? Where do they come from? Where do these behaviors come from? Can we find the answers in our cultural background? Is it in our families and our upbringing? What about our history? What's the history of this condition? How can generational trauma affect these questions that we have surrounding identity and mental health? And what is the Desi condition? We'll keep thinking about that in the next season. I had a blast in season two, met so many cool, interesting people, and I am so, so excited for season three and all of the new people that you guys are going to meet and all of the new efforts that we're going to make as a team now to make mental health more accessible and more understandable and add to this concept of emotional education that I talk about all the time. So I hope that review was useful for you. I hope you knew that you continue to tune in to season three. In the meantime, you can stay up to date with what we're up to on Instagram and Facebook at The Daisy Condition. You can email us at thedaisycondition at gmail.com or tweet at us at tdcpodcast underscore. The first episode of season three will be up very soon. Keep an eye out for it on the social meds and we'll talk to you then.